Good morning. Welcome to Waters Church, North Attleboro. My name's Tim. I'm the campus pastor here. We are one church in three locations, Norwood, North Attleboro, and Taunton, Massachusetts. So glad that you're here today. If you're here for the first time or second time or third time, we're so glad that you're here and back. And we just want you to feel the love of Jesus. We want you to know God. We want you to know that God has a wonderful purpose for you. And we want you to know him. And uh, that video uh, needs to actually be updated. I got good news to share with you today. But before we get to that good news, I want to share a couple of things about the God can, we will. So this is before the message. Um, and this is not the message, but the, the message is coming. And I just want you to bear with me for a moment in an announcement. Okay, so God can, we will. And, 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 and it's been raised by a couple of people here. And it is a valid concern. And I want you to hear me that I get it. We, you see us upgrading this building, and you're also at seeing us ask for building campaign money. And so you're probably saying, well, what's the deal? Are we staying or going? Uh, the fact of the matter is, we can't really realistically think about leaving anytime soon from this building. Um, unless, of course, there's somebody here who wants to write a check for $700,000 right about now. We'll be all set. We'll return everything and we'll go. But we're probably going to be here realistically in this building for two years, maybe three, as uh, we continue to raise money and put into a purchase. Now the goal is to purchase something long-term that we have for ourselves. At the same time, we don't want to just sit idly by here for two or three years and let this building just go downhill. We want to continue to make this nice. We want to make it pleasurable for people when they come in. We want to make it uh, beautiful. And I believe that your building represents your attitude toward God as a church. And I know that the church isn't buildings, but the building does speak to people. It says either we care or we don't care about our house of worship. And this is a house of worship. And I believe, and I've always believed, that God deserves a wonderful and beautiful place for his people to come and worship him. Amen. Yeah, that's what I believe. So we're upgrading. But now, now let me be very clear about something. The team, the staff that we have are phenomenal. And, and they have this wonderful gift. They have the gift of cheapness. They are exceedingly cheap. And they, they ask me for a budget for projects. I say this or I say that. And they come back. They know, they know they can't come back and say we need more. I say no. That's the money. Go and stretch it as far as you possibly can. So we get things from eBay. We get these lights. We get them from Ikea. I mean, we get the cheapest stuff possible. We get it from Craigslist. You'd be shocked at how many things are from Craigslist in this church. You might be sitting on a chair that's from Craigslist. No, that's not true. They're very cheap, they stretch the money, and the budget is very set and firm as to how much we spend on, on this place. Now, none of the money that you have given to God can, we will, is going into this building. Not a dime. So you give to God can, we will, it does not upgrade this building, and it never will. What we did for God can, we will, we opened up a separate account in a separate bank with separate signatures. So there's no way we can transfer the money from our God can we will fund to the general fund. And in fact, the opposite is our goal. We want to feed from the general fund into God can we will above and beyond what we're doing in this building. Amen. All right, now here's the good news. And that's why I say this video needs to be updated. Last week we had $1,000 come in for God can we will. But here's the good news. Our tithes at Waters Church North Attleboro, I can't say, I can't speak for the other two campuses, but I can speak for this one. Our tithes here have been exceedingly good. 
uh, you people are doing a fantastic job stepping up to the tithe and supporting the mission of Jesus here in this local church. And you deserve recognition for that. Give yourselves a hand. Yeah. <laughs> you're honoring God. You're honoring God and you're faithful there. Um, many of you, many of you. Now, a year ago, our ties were pathetic. In fact, pathetic's not the word. We aspired to pathetic. <laughs> pathetic was like up here and we were way down here. And we weren't, <coughs> we weren't making ends meet, but we never went negative. We never went negative, but we did get down to almost nothing. And God, because of your faithfulness, and we did a, a series, maybe many of you remember the Best Life Ever series, a financial course, six weeks. Uh, many of you stepped up to the tithe because of those messages, because of that series. Things turned dramatically around. And in the last four months, we have just seen a wonderful, consistent tithe coming from, these, from you, from this church. And I really commend you for that. Many of you still have yet to step up to tithe, as you heard from Sean uh, and Amy, the wonderful things that happen when you do, when you honor God financially, he honors you back. Amen to you too, yeah? And they know. And so they're living proof, I'm living proof. And you need to know about me too, that I tithe to this church. I don't ask you to do it and not do it myself. I tithe to this church and I support what we're trying to do here and I would never ask you to do something that I don't do. I give to God can, we will, and I believe in it. And you need to know something about me with finances. I am very, very, by God's grace, wise with money. And I'll tell you one, one fact about me that might shock you. I've never paid one cent in interest charges on a credit card. Never in my life. I don't believe in it. I think that's the worst thing you can do unless it's a dire emergency with your money. You buy now, you pay now. If you can't pay now, you wait until you can pay now. That's how I've always been. And you need to know that I take that into the leadership of this church. So I'm not gonna treat this church any differently than I treat my own finances. God has entrusted me as a leader here. I take that very seriously. I do the very best that I can for your sakes and for our church to lead us financially in a very profitable way, in a very faithful way. At the same time now, because of your generosity, because of your tithes, listen to what we did. This past week, because the tithes have been so good for the last six months, six, four to six months, we were able to take $25,000 from the general fund and deposit it into the God Can We Will Fund. So even with the little upgrades, and by the way, they're little. That counter out there that we did for Info Central, the countertop was almost donated to us. The computers were almost donated to us. We put very little money into it, and it looks fantastic. And the reason why it looks fantastic is because we've got a great team here of people who care about this place. And then we've got above and beyond that, we've put money into God Can We Will in a separate account. I want to make sure you hear this. <laughs> separate account, separate bank, separate signatures. So there will be never... This transfer of money from God Can We Will to the, to, the, to the regular general fund. And every cent that goes to God Can We Will is going to purchase land or a building for your future and your children's future and this church. Because I believe this community needs a house of worship that's going to outlive all of us. Amen. To bring many generations to Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. Amen. I thank you for that. Thank you for listening to that announcement and uh, just uh, continue to give and to continue to tithe. And if you're not yet tithing and stepping up, I ask you to do that. And I, and I do believe that God's going to bless you for that. All right. Turn in your Bibles to two passages of Scripture. 
Matthew 5 and 2 Kings chapter 7. And if you don't have a Bible, open your smartphones. <laughs> Download the Bible app or open the Bible app. I'm always amazed at how many people never move when I say open your Bibles. Let's go. Let's be a Bible-believing church. Amen, somebody. Amen. Bring your Bible to church, open it up, and let's get into it. Matthew 5, one of my absolutely favorite verses of Scripture, uh, comes from the fifth chapter of Matthew, verse 13, and it's all about you guys. It's all about me and you, and I love it. So stand with me as we read one verse of Scripture. One verse from Matthew 5, then we'll go to 2 Kings chapter 7. Ready? <clears throat> you are the salt of the earth. Somebody say, I am, I am. The, salt the salt of the earth. Now, do you know that in Jesus' day, salt was very valuable, and even today is very valuable? In Jesus' day, Roman centurions were paid their salary in salt, which is actually where we get the word in English, salary. S-A-L-T, salary, comes from the word salt. So in Jesus' day, very valuable. Very valuable, very profitable. And he says to the church, he says to the people who believe in him, you're the salt. You're the stuff, you're it. You're God's solution to the problems of the world. That's pretty important. You are, in the eyes of God, essential to the mission on mission, to essential to the mission of God in the world. Now he says this, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be restored? The, the bottom line is it can't. You gotta keep your saltiness. How do I do that? You remember that you're made for a purpose. You remember that you're made for a mission and you are here for a reason, saved for a reason in Jesus' name. It is not just to go to heaven. It's about being the salt of the earth, the preservative, the blessing, the peace, the prosperity in the world that other people will see what you got and want it. He says you're the salt of the earth and it can't, can't lose, you can't afford to lose your saltiness and it says it's no longer good for anything. If it loses its salt, it's no longer good for anything. Listen to me. If a church loses its sense of mission, it is no longer good for anything. That's why you got churches that have been in the same building for the last 150 years. And I don't understand how you could possibly be proud of that. You need to grow. You need to build. You need to understand that we are here for those who are not yet here. Reach out to those who need Jesus Christ's love. Amen. Amen. He says, so you can't, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under people's I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I ask that we will know beyond the shadow of a doubt by the time we leave this building today that we are made for a purpose, that we are the salt of the earth, that you have your hand on us for this time and this generation to be a witness to those who need Christ. I ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said a big amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat. very important theme I want you to keep in mind here today. Keep the focus outward. Keep the focus outward. And we also, I'm sorry, we also want to say a hello to our Taunton campus who watches these videos uh, by, uh, these messages by video. Everybody in North Attleboro, a lot of people here today. Let's give them a big hand. Welcome them in. Taunton, we love you. Um, keep the focus outward. I want you to write down a phrase again today. The first two weeks of this message, this series, I asked you to write down a phrase. And this week, I want you to write down a different phrase. So take out that yellow sheet that we hand you when you walk in. Take out a pen, write it down. 
or just jot it in your smartphone, whatever you're taking notes with. But here's what I want you to write down. Uh, maybe you remember the first two weeks, there was a phrase that I, that I asked you just to write down. And I want to see if you remember. I want to see if you're an attentive church. Are you a good church? Yeah, you are. Here's what that phrase was. See if you can fill in the blanks. Jesus comforts the and he the amen that's good you remember here's the phrase today write this down we are here we are here for those who are not yet here we are here for those who are not yet here. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world in a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And your purpose in Christ is to understand that you are here to represent him to people who need to know him. And our thriving mission as a church, our heartbeat, what we teach our elders, what we talk about in our deacons meetings, what we talk about in our leadership, what we talk about on Wednesday night is that this church exists for the people who are not yet in this church. Because there is a hell, and people are going there, and we cannot be okay with that. We can't. Times are, times are difficult, the day is getting closer, Jesus is coming back. We need to be on mission, we can't get off mission, and we can't turn inward to our little holy huddles, us four and no more. Because nobody wants to stare at this all day. We gotta, we gotta turn outward, hands extended to a world in need of a savior. We have the cure to our soul's cancer. We have the answer to our spiritual AIDS epidemic. And the time is now, not next week, not tomorrow, the time is now to think outside of ourselves and to tell somebody about the love of Jesus that we ourselves have received. Amen. Amen. Oh God, I pray that my voice hangs on for this message because I'm so excited I can't keep it down. You know, the church is like Christmas, and, I, and I, I know we're way out of Christmas ideas right now, and the thoughts of Christmas are not even on our heads, but let me tell you something. There are only 239 days left to shop for Christmas. <laughs> but the church is like Christmas. How many of you would agree with the statement, your best Christmases were when you were a child? And you would wake up early, right? Get your parents out of bed at 3.30, in the morning, run downstairs or run in the living room and say, wow, this is for me. And you love those Christmases, right? Ages probably five to 15. Those are your best Christmases. If you're between the ages of five to 15, write this down, hold on to these years <laughs> for as long as you can, because they don't stay that way. At some point, we all have to have that Christmas. Do you know what I mean? The Christmas where you realize, this isn't about me anymore. I'm not a kid anymore. It's not for me anymore. And then you go through these horrible Christmases. You go through like seven or eight of them. 
where Christmas just stinks. You don't want to be a part of Christmas. Your parents have to kick you out of bed at 1 p.m. Come on, we're late for grandma's house. Get your butt out of bed. Let's go. You don't care anymore about Christmas because it's no longer about you. And you need to make that transition at some point where you say, and hear me, I'm not a kid anymore, and this is not about me. And in the church, it's the exact same way. When you first come to a church and you're new, or you're new to the faith, or you're here from another church, you can walk in the doors and see the place, and it's all brand new to you. And the people love you, and the people embrace you, they're smiling faces. I hope they're smiling. I hope you agree with a smiling face today. If you agree with a smiling face today, say amen. amen. Oh, good, that's good. So there's smiling faces, there's loving people, there's ministry that ministers to you. You've never, maybe you're new to hearing me speak, and you know, when you're new to hearing somebody speak, everything that comes out of their mouth, it seems like gold. Amen. You gotta know when to say amen. And it's like new, it's like, it's like Christmas to you. It's like, wow, this is all for me. But at some point, you have to make that transition. You have to say to yourself, I'm not a spiritual kid anymore, and it's not about me. And you'd be surprised at the number of people who never make that transition, that never say, wait a second, because here, here's what I'll tell you about me. Some of you are new to hearing me speak. Um, right now it's gold, pretty soon it'll be bronze. <laughs> then it'll be like iron. That'll be like steel. Because after a while, you know what I'm gonna say, you know my heart, you get my thrust, and, 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 and at some point, you gotta realize that you are not here anymore for your sake, you are here for the sake of those who need to be here. That's why we are the church where people don't do church, we don't expect you to agree with everything that we say. I don't expect you to believe like me. I expect you to just come and listen and explore Christianity and listen to the claims of Christ and understand if it's true, then it will work and it will change your life and revolutionize you. And I don't have to change you. The Holy Spirit will. Because I'm not, I, you know, I used to try to change people and I realized real fast I can't. I can't even change my own life sometimes. I need the Holy Spirit to do that. How does the Holy Spirit get in me? By accepting Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into my body. It changes me from the inside out, not from the outside in, and I am daily being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I am here now, and I am here now for those who are not yet here. So 2 Kings chapter seven. There's this funny, very funny story um, in the midst of this horrible tragedy that the nation is going through. The context is, it's about 950 BC, and Israel is in a horrible famine. It's probably the worst famine on record. And they are besieged by the Syrian army. The Syrian army has surrounded the city, and they're not letting anybody in, nor anybody out. And when that happens, this is a tactic of ancient warfare, when that happens, nobody's getting any food. And so they're starving to death. And chapter six of 2 Kings tells us that a head of a donkey was being sold for food at $80 a head. A donkey was an unclean animal. It was against the law to eat a donkey, never mind his head. And they're selling it for $80. Chapter six tells us that a pint of dove's dung was being sold for 
I don't know what they were doing with it. Let's just hope that they were using it for lamp fuel. But it was a famine. In fact, it was so bad they were turning into cannibals. And there's this horrible story in 2 Kings chapter 6 about cannibalism. I don't even want to share it with you because we've got small kids in the room. But for anybody who thinks that the Bible is boring, you haven't read it. Because there's a horrible, horrible story that makes uh, the Saw movies look tame. Okay? And I don't watch those movies, by the way, just to let you know. I just wanted to throw that out because I thought you would resonate with that. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> it's a horrible famine. And Elisha comes on the scene and says, tomorrow this famine is going to end. And how does it end? It, it ends miraculously, and that's where I want to pick up the story of how this Famine ends and how the nation is saved. All right, read with me verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 7. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. There were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, to each, if we say let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we shall die also. So now let's come and go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. Four options. Three of them end in death. And they're like, there's only one chance that we're going to survive this famine. There's only one chance. Let's take our chances. Uh, these lepers had nothing to lose. Uh, do you know what keeps a church off mission? Having too much to lose having too much to lose. In America, it's easy to be a Christian. Nobody's knocking on our doors with guns in hand, waiting to take us away for worshiping our Jesus. We have freedom of religion. Not only do we have freedom of religion, we have prosperity in religion. We have comfortable chairs today, comfortable sanctuaries, comfortable buildings. And many times what keeps us off mission is when a church starts to realize if we take some risks, we could lose some stuff. And the tendency and the temptation is to stop risking for Jesus because of how much you've got to lose. May our church never get to that point. Amen. May we always risk our lives and what we have for those who are not yet here. Amen. And so these guys have nothing to lose. They have three, four options. Three of them are death. One of them is a possibility of life. They take that one. Let's, go, let's, let's look what it says then. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> What's going on here? Verse 6 tells us. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians to hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So God kind of makes this miracle happen. Nobody knows about it. And here's what happens. They fled away at twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and they fled for their lives. I want you to notice something. These lepers did nothing to make this happen. God did everything. Do you know that your salvation is not your work? You didn't earn it. You didn't make work for it. You, did, you, you didn't even make the decision. God led you to the decision. It's the work of God. You are saved by grace through faith. It is not of works so that no one can boast. It is the gift of God. I'm talking to some people who are gifted because Jesus saves us by grace. And look what happens. And when the lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went in to a tent. Nobody's there. 
Everybody laughed, and look what it says they did. And they ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. I mean, they're just having a ball. It's like, it's like somebody gave them the keys to a Walmart, and the whole, the whole place is empty, and they can just go in and take whatever they want. They're just taking everything. And they're bringing it back to their camp, and they're hiding it, and they're going back and getting more and hiding that. And, and, and you could almost hear them say, this is like Christmas. It's like, everything's for me. But they make this powerful decision. I, I'm amazed at this next verse. Look what it says. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. Somebody say good news. This is a day of good news, and to keep it to ourselves is not right. We are saved. Do you know what it means to be saved? It means that you have received the, what? The good news of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection for your salvation so that you can go to heaven free of charge. It's good news. And to keep it to ourselves, and to turn inward in our holy huddles is not right. And it says this, if we wait until the morning, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore, come, let us, and, and would you say these next three words with me? Let us go and tell the king's household. These, these, these lepers make this decision that many, many Christians never seem to make. They could have kept this to themselves. They could have had all the spoils of the camp and said, forget those people in our camp. They don't even like us. Lepers were outsiders. Lepers actually had to be quarantined off from the rest of society because they were lepers. They had to walk around with their faces covered and they had to shout, unclean, unclean. They had to walk through their communities like that, lest they touch somebody and make them a leper. And they were despised and vilified and hated. And they come to this amazing conclusion. All that God just gave them through the spoils of this camp of the Syrians, it's amazing, it's almost too good to be true, and we need to share it with somebody else. And they said to themselves, this is a day of good news. We are not doing right, let us go and tell. We need to make that decision as a church. And here are four outsiders, four lepers, four people who don't belong in community, four people who feel ostracized from community. Maybe I'm talking to somebody here, you feel ostracized from church. You don't even step foot in a church, you're here by accident. You thought you'd give God a chance today, you thought you'd give this church a chance because maybe you heard different things about it. I don't know what you're here for. Maybe you're here for the first time. It's the first time you've been in church for years. Maybe you're here for the second time. You gave up on church years ago and now you're back and something about this church resonates with you. Here's what it is. What we are is we're a group of former outsiders who have been brought inside so that we could reach other outsiders. Amen. That's all we are. We're all a bunch of people in recovery. <laughs> We're all a bunch of, maybe you're an AA guy, Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe you're a BA gal, Bitterness Anonymous. <laughs> maybe you're another different kind of AA, Adulterers Anonymous. 
uh, uh, an LA, Luster's Anonymous, a PA, Prideful Anonymous. We're all in recovery through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ. We're not okay with sin. We don't think that it's good. We don't say, hey, hey, just get on with your bad self and do whatever you want. We believe that sin is wrong. Sin will destroy you. Sin will harm you. And we need to turn and repent from our sins. But we don't have any chance to do that unless the Holy Spirit comes in and changes our hearts from the inside out. And so all we are at Waters Church is a bunch of outsiders who were brought inside by the grace of Jesus so that we could go then outside and bring other outsiders inside. And these lepers did that. And they could have kept it to themselves, but they didn't. And they could have said, us for and no more, and they didn't. And they could have forgotten the nation that they left behind, but they didn't. They decided that what they had was too good to keep to themselves. And I'm asking you to do the same exact thing. Because Easter is in two weeks. And if anybody's gonna come to church during the year, it's Easter. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that you're gonna invite someone to our Easter services. And you're gonna think about Easter, not just the ham and the potatoes and what you're gonna do with the family and what restaurant you're gonna eat at, but I hope that you're praying about who are you going to influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ by simply inviting them to your church that they might hear the gospel and Jesus might save them and take them from being an outsider to an insider. I'm praying that that is your heart for this church and for your life because we are here for those who are not yet here. Now, the, the, um, the uh, lepers say something very interesting. I don't know if you caught it, but let's put verse 9 up on the screen again. It says, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, what's the next word? Punishment, punishment will overtake us. Now, I don't know what the punishment would have been for them but it would have happened if they just kept it to themselves. I don't know what it would have been. Maybe God would have smit them. Maybe God, or smited them, or whatever that word is. Maybe God would have struck them with lightning. I don't know. Uh, but they were gonna get punished if they kept it themselves. And I thought to myself, you know, I know the punishment that awaits a church that has no heart for the outsider. Because I've been there. I've been in church my whole life. I really have. I was raised in the church, baptized at a young age. I was, I was made to go to church, forced to go to church when I didn't want to. The Holy Spirit got a hold of me when I was 11 years old and changed my life, and I love church. I believe in the church. I'm, a, I'm about the church, but at the same time, there were times where I went to churches where it was all about the people who were already there and nothing about the people who weren't there yet. And I'll tell you something. There's nothing worse than being a part of a church that is not reaching others for Jesus Christ. It's horrible. And I've looked back on my life and I think that I can share with you reasonably three, three hazards, if you will, or punishments of an inward focused church. What I mean by that is a church that never focuses on those who are not yet here. Three punishments about isolated or inward Christianity that we will feel if we do not stay on mission with Jesus. The first one is this. You can write these down if you want to. But inward Christianity turns into isolated Christianity. 
inward Christianity turns into the kind of faith where you whittle your friends down to a very select few people who agree with you. And when you are inwardly focused, eventually your church or your group or your people will shrink down to the select few of people who can agree with you about everything. Because we all know this intuitively. The people who we spend a lot of time with bug the life out of us. And in a church without an outward focus, you're just left with yourselves. And you get to know each other around the potluck dinners, and you get to know each other around the fellowships and all that stuff, but there's nobody new coming in. And eventually, first we turn in toward each other, and then we turn on each other. And there's no worse place to be than a church that's inwardly focused. There's no, word, no, no church. Because here's, here's what I know about you and me. If we were to sit down and have a conversation, we'd probably agree about a lot of things, but eventually, no matter how uh, much we agreed, eventually we would find something that we disagree about. And so then it becomes an issue of, well, what Bible translation, translation do you read? Well, I don't think that's holy. Well, what, what, what songs do you sing? Well, I don't think that those songs are spiritual. I don't sing those new modern uh, secular choruses of the church with your electric guitars and your distortion and drums. I only sing songs from the 1650s. You know, the true songs of the church. And it becomes this like, you know, me versus you. And I heard an old joke of the church, it's a very funny thing, uh, just kind of pointing out the fact that the more we get to know each other, the more we'll find out that we can disagree about non-essentials. And the joke goes like this, a man was walking along San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge when he saw a woman about to jump. And he turned to her and he said, hey, don't, don't jump, God loves you. And a tear came to her eye and she turned to him and she said, thank you. He said, let me ask you something. What are you, Jew, Hindu, what? She says, I'm a Christian. He says, me too. I'm a Christian. He says, hey, are you Catholic or are you Protestant? She says, I'm Protestant. He says, hey, me too. He says, what denomination are you? She says, I'm Baptist. He says, oh, wow, miracle. I am too. Are you Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? She says, I'm Northern Baptist. He says, this is wonderful. Me too. He says, are you Northern Conservative Baptist or are you Northern Liberal Baptist? She says, I'm Northern Conservative Baptist. He says, this is amazing, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reformed Baptist? She says, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region? She says, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. She, he says, this is an amazing miracle, me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Council of 1912. She says, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Council of 1912. And at that moment, he pushes her off the bridge and says, die, heretic. <laughs> What's the point I'm making? If we just isolate in ourselves, we will then turn on ourselves. The great thing about a growing church is, and this is gonna sound funny, but there's always someone new to get to know when a few other people bug you. <laughs> it's true. This wonderful thing about having three services a weekend. If the person you don't like comes to one, go to the other one. <laughs> you don't know how many divorcees that's helped out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's why we do small groups, right? What we do in small groups, we have them in seasons so that they just come to an end and then you can decide are you gonna stay with that small group or are those people bug you so much, just find a different one. 
Because at some point, if we turn inward, we will turn on each other. It's true. I've been there. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound very spiritual. That doesn't sound very scriptural, actually. You know what? I thought we were supposed to love each other. I thought we were supposed to be okay with each other all the time. That's not true. Even in the Bible, Abraham and Lot had to go their separate ways. Paul and Barnabas, two godly men, had to go their separate ways. And I am fully aware that at some point, people will leave this church. And I want you to know something. It's okay. I wish you well. It doesn't make you a non-Christian. I just pray that when you leave, you speak positively about your experience here, and you go to your other church, and you serve, and you live godly. That's all I ask for, all right? And so we are okay with this. And, 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 and some of you need to understand this. It is scriptural. I'm going to give you a Bible verse to prove it. Proverbs 25, 17. Check this one out. It says, don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. I can see some of you are writing down that verse. I have been waiting for that <laughs> verse my entire life. <clears throat> uh, what, what's the point I'm making? I want, you to make, I want to make sure you're not just laughing, but you're hearing me, okay? If we only focus on ourselves, eventually we will turn on ourselves. That's why we have to be outwardly focused. See, new people come to Jesus. New people come and join us. Always be the kind of church that reaches the next generation. Secondly, an inward church or an inward Christianity. I've seen this in my life and I've seen it in the world. Inward Christianity turns into goofy Christianity. It does. When you isolate yourself from the world, you get into your little holy huddles, your holy habitats, your spiritual sanctuaries to save yourselves from the world, the big bad world out there. Don't look, don't look. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. You turn into that kind of Christianity. You turn goofy. All you gotta do is walk to a Christian bookstore and find out how goofy we can get. I found, I found some things. It's, it's amazing, this, the Christian subculture is that we take things from the world and we just Christianize them and we're like, yeah, now we're cool. No, we're just goofy. I saw this shirt, this shirt, I like Jesus. Um, I just think, you know what, That's, you might like that. I just think it's kind of goofy. Like, why don't we just come up with Christian t-shirts instead of trying to copy the world and Christianize it? I'm, I'm cool with Christian concerts and Christian uh, artists, and, and our services look like a Christian concert. I'm cool with that. But did you know that we have a Christian award show for our Christian artists? I want to ask you something. What's up with that? Because Jesus said that our reward is in heaven. But it seems like we want our reward now and in heaven. I even saw that there's a Christian television station that was hosting a Christian American Idol. What is going on? That's goofy. Don't, you don't have to do that. Just go to the real one and sing a Christian song. I mean, they practically do that anyway. Right? You go to the Christian bookstore and you'll find the, the craziest thing. We have Christian, um, Christian uh, t-shirts. Christian, I, I saw this. At the, uh, at the store, we have Christian, check this out, Christian ties. How about that one? I'm telling you something, this does not make me want to bow the knee to Jesus. <laughs> and I saw on the back of this Christian tie, it's actually called Soul Winning Ties. That's the company that makes them, Soul Winning Ties. Really? <laughs> I just said, go into all the world, this is what you came up with, this thing? You can at least make it look good. This looks like a 
fiasco, okay? You know, we have Christian bumper stickers. Um, how many know the Jesus fish? What did the atheists come up with? They came up with the Darwin fish, right, with the little legs. And then I saw that the Jesus fish now eats the Darwin fish. It's goofy. I saw this bumper sticker at the Christian bookstore. Check this one out. Eternity, smoking or non-smoking? I want to ask you, what kind of sick people are we? That we're okay with this message being on the back of our cars. Like, did it, are we going to see some baptism in this Sunday service and say, um, I was lost and going to hell, but then I saw a bumper sticker. I'll tell you, man, it just got me, got me right here. It's weird. Smoking or non-smoking. And I believe in hell, but is that the message we really want to say? I'm trying to tell you something. You don't have to be goofy. Jesus didn't come to make you goofy. He came to make you godly. And your Christian witness is much better when you just have peace in the midst of storms, calmness in the midst of calamity, and you are not afraid to be who God made you to be. Because that's what resonates with people. Like some of you, the story of what Jesus saved you from is so powerful, that's all you need. All right, uh, it's inward Christianity turns into obsolete Christianity. Number three, we turn inward. Here's what happens. We are one generation away from being outdated. Now, some of you come to our church and you see the lights and you see the band and you think, why do they do that? I'll tell you what, about a year and a half ago, well, about two years ago now, we made a conscious decision to reach the generation that no other church in the community was reaching. And I think this is a fair statement, and I'm not saying it as a negative, but I would think you would agree with this, that typically New England churches are really, really good for children and those who have children. Is that not fair? Yep. And I looked at it and I said, but there's no church for that 20 to 35-year-old. So we made a conscious decision to aim our songs at the 20 to 35s. And I get that some of you come here and you grin and bear our music. I totally get it, and let me tell you something. I know why you're here. You're here and you grin and bear the music because you know that it's not about you. Amen. And you see the young people coming to Jesus, you see the testimonies on the video screens of the baptisms, on the average age of our salvations in this church. It's an amazing church that reaches the 20-somethings, and we gotta be happy about that. We gotta rejoice about that because we're here for those who are not yet here, and we got a responsibility to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. Because, because Hollywood's doing a great job. MTV's doing a great job with that. It's time for the church to step up, say we're here for those who are not yet here. And we will change things in this church because we don't got anything to lose. Now look at the result of these lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 16. Look what the happens. Because they went out of themselves and reached somebody. Verse 16, then the people, the whole nation, went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a she of flour was sold for a shekel and two shears of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Translation, the famine is over and the nation is saved. Because four guys said, 
we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. Let us go and tell. I have a question for you, and then we're going to close. Does this nation need saving? Here's what the church has been very good at for many years. We've been very good at railing about how bad our culture is. But we've been very bad at loving them into Jesus. And I want to be the kind of church, and I want to be the kind of Christian in my daily life that loves the outsiders to Jesus. And then lets Jesus take it from there in his time and in his way. And I'm asking you for the same, to be on mission. I want you to stand. <clears throat> I got four commitments we're gonna put up on the screen. Four commitments, all right? If we could make this commitment, number one, a commitment to pray for someone who is far from God that you know to come to Jesus. Pray for them. Some of you need to write down their name. Some of you need to take a post-it note, write down their name on the post-it note, put the post-it note on your steering wheel so that every morning you get in your car, you pray for them. What could happen? if you prayed every day for someone that you know is far from God to come to Jesus. Second commitment, a commitment to build a church for those who don't do church. Again, being okay, and I'm really asking this of you, being okay with things that you don't like for the sake of the people who need Jesus and saying, I'm not a kid anymore. And it's not about me. A commitment to build a church for people who don't do church. Third commitment, a commitment to build an intentional relationship or intentional friendship with someone who is far from God. And the key word there is intentional. That you go out of your way to get to know them, that you care about them, that you love them, that you make the move to love the unlovable in your office. Some of you have someone in your office or your school that nobody else likes or speaks to. You be the person that likes them and speaks to them. Because they may be the very leper in your world that needs Jesus. And number four, a commitment that God gives you a heart for those who are in the most need of him. Because we aren't about us in this church. And I said this in the first service, and I want to say it again in this service. If you're looking for a pastor who will have potluck dinners and little fellowships and acknowledge everybody's birthday from the pulpit <laughs> and, 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 and talk about it, you know, all, you know, you know what I'm talking about is just to have, have our little family, you need another pastor. Because I know in my heart, Jesus saved me not just for me, but for everybody who would meet me. That they could know the Jesus that I know because he's changed my life so much and I'm so grateful that he loves me. How could I not share it with someone else? This is a day of good news. Let's go and tell. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Say, Pastor, I'm resonating with that. And I want to be 
I want to be like those lepers that say, this is a day of good news. I want to be that kind of person and I want God to use me right where I am. Because I am the salt of the earth and I am the light of the world. Use me, God. If that's you, just put a hand up. Put a hand up to God. Pray it. Ask God to change your heart from the inside out. Today, let him take you to another level of faith. And say, yes, God, use me. Use me to reach others for Jesus. I pray for every hand that is raised. Holy Spirit, you will comfort them and you will empower them now. That they will be people who are generous and loving and caring and use them powerfully to tell others about Jesus Christ that we can stay on mission with you and move forward by faith because this ain't about us we're here for those who are not yet here I pray Holy Spirit fill them to overflowing and empower them in Jesus name amen as we sing this song and you need prayer yeah amen if you see this song, we're going to sing a song, and you need prayer for anything at all, you come forward. There's prayer people in the front. Come forward. Maybe you need to receive the Holy Spirit today. Maybe you need God to touch you again today. Maybe you need a healing today. Maybe you need somebody to talk to today about some things that you need to pray for. Listen, don't leave this building without taking care of it today. We will pray for you. We will care for you. We will love you. But other than that, have a wonderful week in Jesus' name. God bless you. And let's be on mission because we are here for those what? We're not here yet. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.